Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of The Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts. And today, listeners, I'm very excited because we've got an unusual subject today. And it is about when will I meet Mr. Wright? And I've got a really great astrology expert and mindfulness coach, Monica Anna. So very warm welcome to you, Monica. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. So Monica, I've always had a little bit of an interest in astrology. So this is going to be really right up my street. So you're an astrologer and mindfulness coach. And today we're going to be talking about when will I meet Mr. Wright? And I'm sure this is a question you get asked all the time. Yes, that is probably one of the most common question. Um, not only me, but probably any astrologer uh, get asked. Um, people do come in to us, you know, asking, when will I meet the love of my life? When will I settle down? When will I have the house? Those big, crucial questions. And um, because of my background and my astrological background in uh, psychological astrology and evolutionary astrology, uh, I always flip that question. And I always ask the person who asked me, when will I miss the mystery? Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, I always ask, well, are you the Mr. Right and Mrs. Right for that person? Because that person can walk by, you know, next to you or be on your uh, next to you on a bus stop tomorrow. But will are you ready within yourself? Do you have everything that it takes to have a healthy relationship? I think um, the more important question that I always try to discuss with my client and coach them that way is. It's not as important to meet the right person. It's important to keep the right person. Yeah, absolutely. And I think not necessarily for life these days. I think, you know, probably we've been educated and parented to think, you know, that the till death us do part vows are still valid. But with from my personal experience, you know, um, you know, we're always evolving. We're always growing. And obviously we always like to think it might be for life. But if it isn't for life, you know, you're meant to probably be in the next great relationship of your life that's going to follow on from that. So I think there's an unrealistic expectation these days that it needs to be for life as well. I do agree. Uh, I do agree. I think the uh, the Hollywood is selling us the, uh, you know, happily ever after. And it's great because we have all those stories, you know, saying happily ever after. And then there is a cut and the movie ends. And very rare do we see the follow up from that. Um, but ultimately, if we're going into relationship, whether it's for life or, you know, for the next 10, 15, 20 years, we do want to be, you know, the best we can. And we do want to have a healthy, happy, you know, fulfilling relationship. And really, um, ultimately, it starts with us. Um, because if we find the most amazing partner, someone that, you know, will make our dreams come true and it's amazing friend and, you know, it looks for the same adventures that we do and it's into same this, uh, um, it's passionate like we are. But if that person triggers our own trauma, if that person, um, you know, it's... Um, 
if that person is not ready to meet us where we are, or we're not ready for that relationship, it's not going to last. So like you say, it doesn't have to last for a lifetime. Um, but no one wants to go into a relationship and then, you know, fold after eight weeks. No. <laughs> so ultimately, ultimately, the question is, you know, are you ready for that relationship? And this is, I think, what I um, what I usually discuss with the clients whenever whenever we speak about about love and about relationship. So astrology is vast and it's um, we can explore it in a, many ways. So we can start with us. We can start with a natal chart. We can also start with comparing our chart to a partner chart. There's so much to it. But ultimately, the comparison will not make much sense or won't benefit us if we don't understand our own internal um, archetypes. So what I always start is the, the main seven planets that we look in astrology, the moon, the Venus, you know, Mercury. I'm, I'm sure we all heard about them. And as we record this podcast, Mercury is in retrograde. So I'm hoping <laughs> I'm hoping nothing will go will go wrong. But all those planets, we've heard about them, what they really mean, they explain our internal um, needs. So moon will be the place uh, and will show us where and how we want to be nurtured and how we nurture others. So the, the placement of the moon in the zodiac sign and in the house will actually indicate how do we nurture others? You know, do we have a moon in Taurus and we love feeding other people and, you know, we're always the hostess like Monica from Friends? Or do we have moon in Gemini? And the way we nurture ourselves and others is through information. We want to learn more. We, we're always jumping from one passion to another. Venus will be the the, the place uh, placement in our chart that will tell us um, what and how do we desire. Uh, there's so much out there about self care and and valuing yourself. Venus will show us how do we do that individually to ourselves. So if Venus is in Pisces, we probably value the mystical, the magical, the the dreamy waters of Pisces. If Venus will be in Capricorn then what, where we put value is maybe in our career. Uh, we love, you know, uh, we love what we do. We like hard work. We like mastering something. This is the value that we put in, uh, um, in there. Um, Mercury will be the place of how and where we communicate. So if we have a Mercury in fire, you know, we probably speak before we think. We are very fiery person. We might use words that, you know, cut through. Um, we don't think of consequences of what we're saying because we just say it and we forget in five minutes. If someone else has mercury in cancer, those words will be cutting them through like, like a knife. They will be really sensitive to that because the way they communicate will be through... Um, emotions through recognizing emotional energy around us so not necessarily with words but you know how do you feel energetically they will pick up on that you know when you walk in through the doors and if your partner has that mercury in cancer you will step through the threshold they will know if you had a good day or a bad day without you saying anything because they'll pick up on that um so briefly so we before can, we yeah. move on monica just for the audience members uh, that might be listening that might not uh, mm. understand you know some of the um you know what which signs are water signs which signs are fire yeah. signs 
and which signs are air signs and which signs are earth signs. Would you just briefly go through those so that those the people that are listening understand? Yeah, of course. So obviously we have 12 zodiac signs and four elements. So in a fire, we have Aries, Leo and Sagittarius. Those are the Aries uh, fiery, um, fiery ones of the zodiac. Then we have um, earthy one, the grounded zodiac signs. Those will be um, Taurus, Virgo and Capricorn. We have air, we have Gemini, Libra, and Aquarius. Aquarius is an air sign. A lot of people think that because Aquarius is a water bearer, is a water. No, Aquarius is a, it's an air sign. And in water, we have Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces. So even understanding that, thank you, Lynn, for, for bringing us um, back to the foundations of astrology, because even understanding our relationship with elements how much elemental energy do you have in your own chart will help you as well to to understand what you do what you need if you have a lot of fire you're probably extremely passionate person you know you want someone who will keep up with you if you're um if you have a lot of water in your chart you will be a person who is all about romance and dreams and take me on that kind of, you know, a beautiful date, you know, uh, under the full moon. If you have a uh, um, earthy energy, you might actually be happy if your partner buys you an iron or a pot you know, <laughs> for for birthday because you like practical stuff. You like things that will that are solid, that are practical. Um, if you're an air element, then you like to be challenged intellectually, that you want those like long, you know, long night talks into the early morning uh, about things that are important for you. So even understanding your elemental um, uh, balance helps you understand what partner do I need and what partner is good for me. And again, I think, Lynn, sorry, we, we've discussed that earlier on. Sometimes it's not so much the partner that you want. Sometimes it's the partner that you need. Sometimes you're so much water that you want the partner, like you say, maybe for a year or for three, that will get you out of that, you know, too much water, too much mysticism, too much romance, and will help you get you grounded or will help you get you passionate about something. So sometimes we need partners that not necessarily are, so to speak, you know, compatible with us, but actually that challenge us, that might be a little bit of an opposition, but they get us out of our own, you know, stuck kind of ways and get us trying new things. And then you look back at that relationship, however long that relationship was, you know, five months or five years, and you think, you know what, that relationship really changed me and prepared me maybe for something else in life. Oh. I think it always prepares you for something better. Uh, being somebody that was uh, with my ex-husband for 23 years and then was with my ex-partner for 10 plus years. So I've had two really good long-term relationships, you know, good good relationships, but I've always felt that, you know, they really prepared me for that next level up, so to speak, and that next um, mm. exciting journey on my um, future with my soulmate partner. Yeah, and I think definitely you can have more than one of those. Oh, a hundred percent. But I also think again, it goes back to who you are as a person and how do you approach that, because you know people who ultimately are into self development, self awareness, 
they will take anything from relationship and they will grow. They'll take the good, the bad, the ugly, and they'll go through that. And they will step into a new relationship at a different level. Um, but I'm sure, you know, you know, probably as many people as I do who stuck in the same mode of operation and you know exactly the next partner and how he or she will be and the partner after that because your colleague or your friend or your co-worker just stuck in that rut of choosing the wrong partners but stuck in that wheel of not knowing how to get out of that loop you know and it's the same it's the same stereotype all the time you know it's the same either bad boy or you know the victim that needs a mummy archetype or you know like oh i will help them because they need me and every time it will be the same storyline and they need help to get out of that storyline again step out and say okay you've had the same literally the same relationship two three four five times it's time to do something else because if you don't change nothing else will change you know and i think this is the biggest challenge that i find in my own practice when people come in and say well i want a different partner that's great have you changed because if you ultimately have not changed you will be choosing the same partners over and over the moment you change the moment something else within you shift you will choose a different partner so I, I agree with you, you know, partners do move us forward if we choose to do that, if we have that self-awareness, if we can look back at the relationship and say, okay, this was good, this wasn't so good, so I can learn from that and move into a new new partnership differently. But if we haven't, you know, that's yeah. that's the challenge. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's not about beating yourself up if you've had um, unhealthy relationships or unfulfilling relationships previously you know we we learn a lot from those relationships don't we and um we learn a lot too from you know the times that we're single that prepare mm -hmm. us for you know next time having and choosing a relationship that's going to be a lot healthier more fulfilling and, and more passionate if that's what you're looking for I think you're actually touching on something incredibly important. Um, I feel like as a woman in the Western world and with the culture that we're currently in, we're so told that our worth and our value is defined by relationship that we just jump from one relationship to another. And that's something that I always uh, speak to um, my clients and any any friend or any colleague. We need time to really think, what do we want in a relationship? And going back again to that natal chart, it's like, you know, what is it that you desire? You know, what is it? You know, how do you put your boundaries? What nourishes you? If you understand what you want, you will be going out to the world and looking for a partner who can fulfill that. If you don't, we then stuck in that kind of mode like, oh, there is a partner potentially interested in me. Well, he's good. He has a good job. He doesn't drink much, you know, and then you're just going through the list of what society or your culture or your mother and grandmother told you the good men's supposed to have. And it might be an absolutely amazing man, but it might not be the amazing man for you. And That's I think, point. you know, the yeah, the moment we take a step back and just think, well, actually, what do I want? Because I'm deciding, you know, on this man and he's like an orange. But actually, what I really want is a banana or a pear or apple. <laughs> he, he might have everything, but not necessarily for me. So taking the moment to be on your own, to have that moment of reflection, whether it takes a week or three months or six months or two years, really does help 
getting into a new relationship on a healthier uh on the healthier grounds i think and start that relationship from a different different level absolutely and i think it's uh, about being brave during your single times as well and, and not closing your heart off to future relationships just because you might be wary about you know risking being hurt again you know that to have a really healthy great relationship you know at the level that you really want and desire and I think most of us do want that you know we all want passion we want intimacy we want to feel loved we have to take a risk sometimes when it comes to love and be prepared to open our heart because I can remember you know in my um, relationship with my ex-husband you know I, I can look back and think my heart was closed off in that relationship and it wasn't all it could be because of that yeah. I mean, it's it's so important. Like you say, what I want to touch as well is what we're closing, not just necessarily our heart, but we're closing ourselves for one person. And that's another thing that I've noticed uh, in the practice. And when I think about astrology, you know, very often we go into relationship and we feel like we have to be the whole world for that person or that person has to be the whole world for us. And they have to be into the same passions and understand the same books or watch the same movies. And if something doesn't work, we're like, that doesn't work, I'm out. But when you look in an astrological chart, it's a, it's obviously if you ever seen astrological chart and you know what I'm talking about, if not, go have a look on online. It's a circle. You have 12 houses and each house is linked to a different zodiac sign and it's responsible for different um, area of life. And what I love about astrology and how astrology speaks to our relationship is it doesn't speak to relationship, one relationship. It speaks to many. You have a seven house of marriage. That's the house of marriage. So have a look there. What kind of fulfillment, what planet or zodiac sign speak to you about specifically about marriage? But you also have a house of friends and you have a house of siblings in and neighbors. And you also have a you know house of your work colleagues and people that you meet everyday life. And they fulfill part of you as well. So the whole, for me, the whole uh, mandala, if you will, of the zodiac sign talks about our needs, but it also beautifully shows us when we can meet those needs outside of our relationship. You know, no one said that, you know, your husband has to be into the same passion. I mean, you might be passionate about beekeeping and your husband might absolutely, or husband or girlfriend or, you know, whoever might not like that, but you might find incredible, you know, um, community and tribe of people who are really into it but then your husband you know is the person that I don't know you speak to about movies or literature or you go on uh, amazing adventures it's just one part of you that is fulfilled by someone else and I think this is when we're talking about relationship and when talking about Mr. Right as well it's important to go back to what is it that I need from for myself to be happy and fulfilled and how much of that do I think one person can fulfill? Because no person will fulfill 100% of what you need. No, and I, I keep repeating on many of my episodes, you know, your partner yeah. is meant to complete you. Your partner is meant to complement you. But, but it's a compliment, isn't it? It's like it's supporting what you already have and not necessarily the whole world for you because that's where a lot of expectation 
are turning into a burden. You know, if I have expectations from my partner that I have to be everything, you know, from a cook to a friend to a, you know, a partner in crime, so to speak, to an adventurous person, like that's a lot of pressure on me. But if I fulfilled, you know, a happy home and amazing adventures, maybe I don't want to talk to you about, you know, uh, I don't know, the next um, Marvel movie coming out because I'm not interested in that. But your friends are. So I think it's also important to know, like you say, what is it that complements you and makes you happier and makes you grow? And what is it that, you know, you're looking to fulfill everything and you're putting too much expectation on one person where, you know, in life, there's so much else that you can get your heart engaged. I love what you said about having that heart open. And I think, again, what I what I always think about open heart is having it open to life. Yes. Partner, you know, is it will fulfill you. And obviously, that's the most, the closest and the most intimate person in your life. But you need to have, you know, heart open to your friends to find a tribe that fulfills some part of you to have, you know, people that um, you know that they will support you and and uh, and care for you as well. And I think that uh, very often I don't know, Lynn, um, if, if you've spoken to people, um, but I know that in my practice, a lot of the time when relationship falls down especially women, we realize that actually there's no one around because we concentrated so much on one relationship that suddenly the whole base, the whole foundation, the whole support network is not there because we didn't have time because it was the whole time was divided uh, or um, the whole time was on that specific partner and everything was going around them. And I think, again, that's a lot of baggage and energy to bring into relationship you Absolutely. know 100% agree I think um, men energetically as well um, feel the weight of a woman's expectations so if you're expecting him to be everything to you and fulfill yeah. all your needs then you're really setting yourself up for <laughs> some sort of disappointment I feel you know if you're going into the relationship thinking that yeah and that person could have been a Mr or Mrs Wright um, but maybe right now you actually needed a girly weekend and yeah. that's what you needed energetically and emotionally, you know, and talk about clothes and nails and, you know, and just have a nice spa and relax and not necessarily with your partner. And then coming back to that partner would have been easier, but because there was just that person, like you say, that need for that one person is just too much to bear. Which is, like I said, I love that what I do love about astrology is shows us that actually we get fulfillment from so many different places in life. When I look at that mandala and I look at all the planets, I can see what actually what you desire is not necessarily relationship. That relationship is just part of you. But what you desire is having stability in your home life, you know, your home life as a home, as your ancestry, your extended family, your children, nephews, nieces. That's something that fulfills certain part of you. You can look at someone else's chart and say, wow, you know, you really desire a, a great career and, and your work is incredibly fulfilling, you know, whether it's, a, a, you know, being a doctor or a lawyer or, or working somewhere else, you know, this is part that fulfills you enough and you have to have a heart open to have other people there with you 
and carrying you on on that journey as well. So when we look into so you know someone's chart, you look at what they love, what they need to feel nurtured. And sometimes the nurturing can come from something else, not necessarily from your partner. It can come from your work as an artist, you know, and, and your creativity. Or you might love belly dancing and that's something that nurtures you and, and who you are as a person. So looking at the chart really does help open sometimes us to to think, well, yeah, I'm looking for a Mr. Right, but actually I also need to look for, you know, other people who are right for me as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. a whole, whole community of uh, people within your environment that are going to fulfill you as well as your obviously intimate partner as well, being part yeah. of that. Absolutely. So, Monica, um, is it possible? I mean, uh, um, you read around astrology that, you know, certain signs are not compatible. Is that always the case or can you be compatible with any sign regardless? So, uh, yeah, it's uh, I really disagree with not being compatible because ultimately, like we said at the beginning, even someone that is, you know, quote unquote, not compatible with you, it will still challenge you to do something and, and come out of uh, of your shell. But there's so much more to com- compat- compatibility. So usually when people talk about that, they talk about I am, you know, Aries and your Capricorn, we're not compatible. And what they mean by that is my son is in Aries and your son is in Capricorn, we're not compatible. But they keep forgetting, like I said, that there's so many other planets. You know, we need to look at the position of Venus. We need to look at position of Mars and Mercury and all the other places. And for me, there there isn't something like you're not compatible with me. You might be challenging me more. You know, this relationship might be a bit more of a push and pull than the other relationship. But does that mean it's, you know, it's it's better? You know, some people want an easy life, you know, the the idea of easy wife, easy life. Some people don't want to be challenged. It's nice to just, you know, have the same values, the same um, sex drive, the same boundaries, the same view in life. Uh, And some people actually want to be challenged. So when we look at the chart, we look at, again, what is the um, elemental balance, you know? Is one person very much water, another person is fire? We know there will be a lot of steam from that. Is that good or bad, right? If um, if your Jupiter, which is your, um, how do you uh, ascribe meaning to life, right? If your Jupiter is once in, in one sign and someone else is in another and one person values growth and personal, you know, um, personal development and another person values, you know, a big bonus, you know, at the end of the quarter, are you compatible in that? You know, can you challenge yourself? Can you be with someone like that and make them see that there's more to life than that quarter of a million pound bonus at the end of the quarter? And maybe they will actually bring you down a little bit more from your cloud and say, well, actually, you know, you need that stability. You need some of that, you know, um, to live live life, you know, in a, in a Western world. So sometimes it's not about... Um, are we compatible, but what are we doing with it? You know, are we challenging ourselves? And, you know, is someone triggering my my own painful places? You know, in the chart, you can see um, 
the wounding, the trauma, you can see the places where, you know, we don't want other people to know about, you know, those kind of scary places that we want to hide and, and, and keep locked. And sometimes we find people that literally everything that they say and everything that they do just goes straight for that sensitive point. You know, it might be difficult to be in that relationship, but could that be healing? You know, yeah, could that absolutely. person actually help you heal that? So, yeah, I personally don't don't see that black and white. I think it's like, I you know, agree. where are you in life? Again, going back to our original question, where are you in life and what do you need? Maybe you just need an easy relationship because you just came out of something, you know, and you just need an easy relationship of someone who will support you and you don't want to be challenged because you've been challenged for the last 10 years. And that's an answer in itself, but goes back to what do you need, Right. And maybe you are on a personal development journey and you would like to be challenged by your partner. But then if you're being challenged from the morning coffee until your, you know, the dinner that you have, sometimes it's too much. Sometimes you're just like, oh, can we just put the feet up and decide on one movie <laughs> instead yes, of, yeah, you know, being challenged on everything. So it's very much goes back to, again, what do you need? What really I, do you need? I really appreciate you saying that it doesn't really matter what another person's uh, zodiac sign is because I think quite often especially as as women because we're we are predominantly generally more the ones that are into spirituality and more into astrology quite often we'll dismiss a guy just on his star sign we're not even giving him a chance I mean honestly I've heard that I've heard an astrologer saying just don't Gemini because Gemini always cheats and I'm like oh my god how can you say that right um it's I understand why we need the foundations, right? Like sometimes we need to understand the archetypes on that very kind of simple foundational level, but they are a spectrum. When we talk about Gemini, we talk about being constantly, you know, in need of something new, of, of that encouragement. If they are with someone boring, they will be looking for for something maybe outside of that relationship. Does that mean that they have to cheat? Not necessarily. They might have other planets that need that nurturing stability. So they might actually enjoy a stable, you know, safe relationship. And they look for that interest, you know, in their interest group, in their, you know, passion, in their tribe. But when we go back to that, oh, Gemini always cheats, it's like... Well, you know, you can't just divide 8 billion people on a planet and say, well, every Gemini always cheats because it's it's, it's nonsense. Exactly. It's the same as, I suppose, when you get clients that's, you know, the, the one of their limiting beliefs is men always cheats and generalizes all men as being under that umbrella. Yeah. And therefore, they're going into each relationship actually, you know, uh, expecting that. And then it, it, of course, quite often becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because they're actually, you know, pushing the guys either away or into yeah. doing that sort of type of behavior that's going to create mistrust yeah yeah I mean if we like you say if we're going into relationship straight away with that expectation that expectation will get fulfilled whatever you know whatever you want um so again it's just going back to what do you want and what do you need do you need stability that's great but how does that manifest for you you know, what do you need from your yourself to make sure that that person is stable with you, that that person understand what you need and provide that security and communicate that to your partner? I want you to show me, you know, 
security through touch or through emotion or through, you know, language or through, you know, passion, going back to our four elements, you can communicate that, um, you know, of what do you need and what you deserve as well. But like you say, you know, very often those self-fulfilling prophecy unfortunately happens. Oh, you're Capricorn, I can't trust you. You know, you Scorpio, you'll be mean. Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's so, 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 um, and it shouldn't laugh really because, because a lot of people do take it very seriously, but I'm I'm glad you're one person that sort of a, is aligned with myself on that topic and that, you know, you, you can't sort of blanket people or tar brush everybody being a, you know, whether that's because they're male or whether that's because they're of a certain yeah. sign as, as being like somebody you've met in the past that's done you wrong. Yeah. I mean, I always say, you know, you have so many planets and depending on what you work with, right? Traditionally, you have seven planets. If you're modern astrologer, you're probably including Pluto, Uranus um, and Neptune. Again, we're now exploring different um, archetypes in asteroids belts as well. So there's so many different energies that we're talking in, in um, Zodiac. And then they are somewhere within the 12 Zodiac signs. So they're bringing a different archetype. And then again, they're in a different house describing a different area of your life. When you put all those three levels, just to say that, you know, Aquarians are always so-and-so, well, I am an Aquarian, right? And I like I have a lot of Aquarian family and, and friends. We are similar in certain way of being, but how we express that, you know, what we desire, how we put boundaries, that's completely different because other planets talk about that as well. So yes, I might be Aquarius and my cousin will be Aquarius. And at the core, you know, we are revolutionary. But my cousin will have a lot of Pisces. She will be that gentle, compassionate revolutionary. And I might have, you know, a lot of earth and I will want my revolution to be practical, you know. So there's so many layers to that. And, and I think, again, looking at the natal chart and seeing the kaleidoscope of beauty and possibility in you as an individual and then within the, you know, you and a partner really helps understand how, how we work. I mean, it helped my relationship as well, um, because I went into relationship um, as well a few, year, a few years ago, well, good 15 years ago now. Um, and I would say we're not compatible on paper. And 15 years later, we're still, you know, together. But Excellent. we challenge each other in all those good ways. So, yeah. So, Monica, what is... You know, this is such a fascinating topic and we could probably talk about it for hours, but uh, and we probably will do on a future episode, go into other aspects of astrology in relation to relationships. But uh, for those that want to reach out and find out more about you and what you do, what, what is your best contact information? I think uh, Instagram uh, or my email address, it's the best place to catch me. And I go by Modern Yaga, Y-A-G-A from Baba Yaga. Um, so Instagram handle is moderniaga and Gmail is moderniaga at gmail.com. Uh, but that's probably two best ways to, to get in touch with me. Excellent. So any final words of wisdom around this topic of when will I meet Mr. Wright that you'd like to share before we close the episode? I have to say that I usually find in my own life and in my practice that you find Mr. Wright the moment you stop looking for him and actually get ready and open your heart. And then, you know, things just naturally happen. But looking for someone 
doesn't bring the same result as just opening yourself and saying, yes, I deserve love. I know what I want. And uh, and it's easier to then see in the sea of, you know, all the fishes, which one is the one for you? Yeah, I, I might totally uh, explain it in a similar way. It's letting go of the, the when, the how and the who. Yeah. <laughs> just focusing on yourself. And then, you know, they'll magically appear when you least expect it. Very much so. Very much so. So thank you so much, Monica. It's been a fascinating conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lynn. It's been a pleasure to be here. So it just leaves me to say that true love starts with opening our hearts. And until next time, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group Two Hearts Entwined or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's L-Y-N at hearts-entwined.com. Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.